0: welcome to the weekly podcast for city chapel at slaughter creek the world's okayest church right here in austin get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com we're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message today i'm going to finish up the freedom now sermon series by talking about opposition um, there is there there is some opposition, some areas of opposition that you're going to encounter if you're going to start walking with God in freedom. If you're going to start taking any new steps toward God in your life, there are some areas of opposition. So, uh, what better place to go than to Jesus to look at His life story, as to how He dealt with His areas of opposition? So, if we're gonna well, let's start at Matthew chapter three. Um, the main verses that I want to look at are Matthew chapter four. But before Matthew chapter four is this little thing called Matthew chapter three. And this, is, this context is really important to, to what, what Matthew chapter 4 is all about. So this, these are the last verses of Matthew chapter 3. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, that's right, Jesus was baptized. Jesus was dunked. Uh, if you haven't been dunked, what's wrong with you? Oh. Jesus was dunked. <laughs> if Jesus needed baptism, you might need it too. Uh, that's why we participate in water baptism, because Jesus led in, 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 in the example of water baptism. Uh, we believe in baptism. Uh, many folks here were baptized as children, uh, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we believe in baptisms uh, as you're an adult. That when you make a decision to follow Jesus, that when you decide for yourself, we believe that you ought to follow Jesus also in water baptism. So Jesus is baptized, and when he's baptized, this extraordinary event happens. He he came up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or landing on him and a voice from heaven saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I can't guarantee that will happen when you're baptized here at City Chapel, uh, which we're going to be doing a baptism service here in a couple of weeks. So if you're interested, hit me up or sign up on the website. But. But I'm telling you, this is when Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water, has this amazing experience that really defines his identity. We've been talking about the levels of change. Well, this is the top of the level. When, when you hear the voice of God say, this is my son. Uh, Jesus hadn't healed anybody yet. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't done Things for God yet, He's not speaking to accolade. God's not God's not commending him on a job well done. God is speaking to who He is, His identity, and uh, for us in freedom. I mean, that's the greatest level of freedom that we need to experience. And so, at that level, Jesus experiences this, this 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 public confirmation that He is the Son of God. And then Chapter Four happens, and right away in Chapter Four, verse one, it says, "Then Jesus." I think I think in Mark's gospel it says immediately Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now that word led sounds nice, but actually it's it's the word ekbalo from the original language, which means to throw out. Same word used when Jesus cast out the money changers from the temple. It means to sort of violently throw out. In other words, the spirit didn't take him by the hand. The gentle dove that landed on him apparently Um, got a little pushy (laughs) and drove him. I think King James says drove him out into kicked him out into the wilderness. You are not going to want to go into the wilderness. I'll just, I'll just put that out there for you. Uh, You're not going to volunteer for wilderness experience. Um, Many of us want to stay in the waters of baptisms with the presence of Jesus, the father speaking over us. We would just live there. But the spirit tends to kick us out sometime of the places of the places that we're comfortable in the spirit kicks him out drives him out into the wilderness so he comes from water into desert amazing shift of environment in order to be tempted by the devil he was in the water with his father now he's in the the wilderness with the devil he's keeping a little different company after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights god didn't have any 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 whataburger there for him (laughs) maybe that was a blessing (laughs) maybe that was a blessing i don't know but god didn't have anything for if he 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 he, god drives him out into the wilderness and then drops him off has god ever driven you somewhere and then dropped you (laughs) well jesus knows exactly how that feels he's driven and dropped (laughs) and scripture the greatest (laughs) understatement of all time he was hungry hadn't eaten for 40 days He was hungry or by this stage, he was hungry. He wasn't hungry. He was hungry. I don't know how you spell that, but it's different. In verse three, the tempter, Satan came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I find it interesting that the last words we hear in chapter three are, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then the first words in chapter four we hear are, if you are the son of God. He's obviously, uh, G- there, was, there was more than one person attending Jesus' baptism. Let's just put it that way. Right. Somebody else was listening in, tuning in. on. They, they, they were live on Facebook. He, he wasn't there present. He wasn't there to support. But somebody was checking in on Facebook for what was going on for Jesus. And he heard the father say, this is my son whom I love, and I am, I am pleased with him. And that voice said, well, we'll just see about that. We'll just, we'll just see if he really is. And so Satan comes to him 40 days later, not even, what, two verses later. You might, you might have a similar encounter. I'm just throwing this out there. If you've experienced some freedom, if God's done some things in your life, if you've, if you've believed, if you've had a shift in your belief system and you've started to, to align yourself with the truth of who God says that you are, you start walking in freedom, you might have a visitor who's been tuning in to the the stuff that has been happening to you, and he might say something very similar to this right here. I mean, if he did it to Jesus, once again, if Jesus got dunked, you're going to need to get dunked. And if the enemy opposed Jesus, if the enemy didn't leave Jesus alone, if the enemy wanted to test Jesus after 40 days, he's going he's to test you and I. In fact, he might be a little more bold. He might not wait 40 days for right. you and I because yeah. uh, Jesus is a little stronger. He had to wait for Jesus to get kind of weak because he hadn't eaten for 40 days. But for you and I, it's Sunday afternoon on uh, leaving the parking lot in church. Right. The enemy might Come just on. start telling you some things. Right. Uh, and, 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 and the first thing that the enemy does is he addresses this question in the enemy's mind. Are you really? the son of god now i heard god say it i saw you believe it all that was wonderful but but if you are the son of god turn these stones into bread there's nothing wrong with miracles nothing wrong with turning stones into bread especially if you're hungry jesus doesn't have anything against people eating or feeding themselves this is not the issue the 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 the, the tempter is not talking about you know, whether or not you should feed yourself or anything like that. The tempter is, is speaking directly to Jesus' situation where he is now. He's been driven and dropped. And this is one of the areas of opposition. There's three areas of opposition I want to talk to you about today. Three ways that the enemy is going to come at you with. And uh, it is found in, uh, you don't, we don't have to put it on the screen, but it's, it's uh, 1 John chapter 2. Uh, it says that the, the things of the world consist of, number one, um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the three areas of opposition that you're going to face. The enemy is going to come against you and try to stop what God's doing in your life through these areas. And the first area, which I think works for most of us, is the lust of the flesh. Most of us don't ever get beyond that because we, 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 we fall right there. Uh, What's that? What's that song? By, Ate the bread that once was stoned. Uh, jumped from a cliff, never broke a bone. Anyway, that's a, I don't know that song, but it's, 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 it's a good one. We were rocking out to that one in the car. It's not a Christian song, but anyway, uh, most of us just we just we just eat the bread. Most of us, we just we just we just fall for that that first one. And it is the lust of the flesh. See, this is this is the issue uh, with. Jesus, Jesus was fully God and fully man. In other words, he had this right here, this skin, this flesh that you and I have. This flesh he had just like you and I have. In other words, he was hungry, the scripture says, just like you and I were hungry this flesh the desires of the flesh most people when they read lust of the flesh they think lust they think oh looking at bad things on the internet that's not what the word the word lust just simply means to have strong desire and it's not just a desire it's specifically a desire of your flesh and your flesh has a lot of desires Bad things on the internet would be one of them. Uh, but you have other desires as well. Desires which are good, like eating, uh, like, like to, to be loved, like community. Your, 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 your flesh, like, like, like to have enough money in the bank to not have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. So your flesh has these desires, it looks for security, it looks for uh, 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 predictability, it looks for comfort, it wants to wear clothes that that are warm enough for the climate or cool enough for the climate, you want to have shelter, your flesh has certain desires and that's fine but a lust is a strong desire, it's a desire that's overtaken other desires. And this is one of the major areas that the enemy will come against us and battle with us in. And, and what, what Satan is doing is he, he comes up to Jesus. He doesn't say, hi, how are you? Long time no see. Uh, he, he, none of that. He just, he just simply jumps right to the point. He says, if you are the son of God, why don't you feed yourself? And Jesus' response is interesting. He says, well, Scripture says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, the reason I'm not feeding myself is because I'm not starving. Because the implication that Satan is saying is you don't have what you need. The the enemy will always tell you God hasn't given you. Your, Your flesh will always tell you what you don't have. And if you're not careful, if you let your flesh define reality for you, it will tell you that you are starving when actually you're not starving. Jesus says, I'm not starving. Man shall not live by bread alone. You don't just need bread to live. I have the word of God. This is my life source. My life source is not the bread. So say, say. (laughs) come on, somebody. That's right. But sometimes power source are double A (laughs) batteries. And it's good. It's good to have. Hallelujah. I think I think Cassie had 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 questions about the legitimacy of these batteries just to just to stick up for Cassie back there on the tech table. She she was she was questioning that she was questioning that. It's good to know where your source of power comes from and to have some backup every now and then. That's nice, right too. Be, be quick on that. That's good. Uh, but, but the enemy will. Here's, here's, here's the way Bob Hemp puts it. Um, I like the way Bob Hemp uh, shares, and he's going to share this in, in our video this week. And it's the only thing I'm going to steal from the video. But he says that the kingdom of heaven is like the experience of an amputee. Um, Not to belittle the experience of an amputee or to make light of it, but just simply to say that what uh, amputees experience is similar um, to what, if you're walking in freedom, what you may experience. Um, According to Wikipedia, uh, 60 to 80% of of amputees um, deal with something, even after they have um, severed uh, a part of their limb or their entire limb, they deal with something called phantom limb uh, syndrome. And it is that your brain still thinks that the limb is there. And Bob tells a story about, about a guy that he met who had been in a car accident and um, severed his leg from his knee down, his right leg. Uh, he had completely lost uh, everything from his knee down. And that man told Bob that uh, his right foot had been itching like crazy for you know a couple of years. It just was itching and itching. And it's so difficult when, you, when your foot's itching, a foot that you don't have because you can't itch it. Uh, What's happening is, uh, I'm not a doctor. If you really want to know, just Google this. But from my understanding, what's happening is that the nerve endings down here in the knee that normally go down to the foot are basically saying something's wrong with this foot. Because for years, it's been communicating with the foot, receiving signals from the foot. Well, now it's not getting any signals, so something's clearly wrong with the foot. So the nerve endings are sending a signal to the brain saying something is wrong with your right foot. And people will even wake up in the middle of sleep uh, feeling pain or tingling or itching in a body part that they no longer have. Um, it's, 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 it's amazing the way that our bodies work because your brain is not, it's not just a logical center for your body, right? Because logically you can look and say, oh, look, there's no foot there. Uh, there's no ankle. There's no shin. It's just, it's just a knee. You, logically, you can perceive that, understand that, but this is, this is deeper. Your brain is receiving signals. That it's not about what you think. It's about how, how it feels. And so it's receiving signals from the nerve endings here, which are, which, are, which are distressing. And that's really what pain is. When they say it's all in your head, it's literally all in your head. It's, it's protein in your blood going to your brain saying, ouch, 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 ouch. And that's what pain is. And so if you feel pain, it's just as bad as actually having true trauma, true pain. And so for years, what they would do is they, they had these patients that, you know, had, had, had a body part amputated and they're feeling pain in that body part. And so what they would do, they'd give them Advil or aspirin or CBD oil, uh, apparently. Uh, uh, but, you know, they give you something for the pain. And it would work because these things are pain blockers. That's what aspirin does. It, aspirin does. It blocks the protein going to your brain so that, oh look, we're not in pain anymore. It doesn't do anything. It just it just attacks the symptom. It deals with the symptom. And that would see, and that's and that's why you gotta preach on it, because every Christian knows what it is to just deal with the symptom. Everyone who's ever walked with Jesus for very long at all, you know what it is to have this, this, this symptom continually rising up in your life and then take some kind of pill to cover that. It may not be an actual pill, it might be church. Sometimes church is kind of that will pick me up at the end of the week. I need to feel better so that I can sort of forget about this pain that's going on down here in my old limb. Well, what's what what's happened is when whenever you were crucified with Christ, for those of us that have entered into that place and have been crucified with Christ, that our old our old man has died and been buried, well, sometimes you can have an amputated part of you that's still sending some bad signals to your brain it's not it's not it's, it's not that your identity is bad it's the signals are bad you gotta you you gotta change the signals the signals have to shift you have to the, the issue is your flesh will inform you of things that are not true Your flesh will tell you that things are happening because your flesh is also your sensory system. So you're picking up how warm it is in here or cold it is. You're picking up if you're safe, you're smelling things, you're seeing things, you're hearing things. It's how you perceive reality. It's your flesh. And so the danger is that we would receive a new identity, a freedom in Christ by faith, and then try to walk in that new identity by sight. That we would receive it by our spirit man, we would receive it by faith in the shed blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, and then we would try to prove it in our our physical man and in our flesh and in our sight. See, this this this, this, this is what's so dangerous that you can receive something by faith and then not 30 seconds later, the enemy comes to you and says, okay, now prove it by sight. If you could have proven it by sight, you wouldn't have had to receive it by faith so so if jesus needs to do something to show that he's the son of god he's already behind because the only reason that according to scripture that he knows he's the son of god is that he was baptized and his father spoke this over him what god has spoken what god is saying over your life is not meant for you then to try to live up to and prove. He spoke it and you need to put faith in that. What you receive by faith, you have to carry by faith. You will, you will drop it if you try to start carrying it by flesh. If you allow flesh to define reality for you, if you allow the size of your bank account to define how faithful God is to you, yeah. if you allow your, your 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 temperature to define how healed and whole you are, if you if you if you if you allow your working environment to uh, to define for you your value and your worth, if you allow uh, some some people, man, they start to experience freedom, and then like a week later, they're tempted by something, and they're like, oh my goodness, I must not really be free if I'm tempted by something. Right. You're getting a wrong signal. It's gone. not that your identity is okay. wrong. It's that the signal is yes, wrong. It's a yes, messed up yes. signal. Oh, yes. it's, it's, you're, you're, your old man is still sending a signal to your spirit, even though he's dead and gone. Yes. And so you have to not just block out the signal, not just redefine, your, not just change your definitions. But what, what, what they do for amputees is basically they, they, they have them sit down. Uh, they come in for physical therapy, roll up, roll up your pant leg, for instance, if, if you lost your right leg. And, and they start stimulating the part of your leg uh, that is still there. So the new, um, the new limb, actually, that you have. Uh, you used to have a leg and knee and shin and, and foot. Now you just have this leg and, and the knee, and now your limb ends here. And so what they do is they start stimulating this end by rubbing it with different material, soft material, harsh material, uh, slapping it to to get pressure, put pressure on it, wet, uh, cold, warm, different sensations to train your brain what the new, what the new leg feels like. This is why, this is why it's so important that you read your Bible every day. Not because reading your Bible makes you a Christian or gets you saved. Not because praying. Not because you have to pray in order to be saved. But because you, you need to feel what this, this new limb feels like. This is why going to church is important. I mean, I know, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Even more than, no more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. <laughs> I, I heard that. Like, it's cute. I got it. Uh, I, t- I saw the meme. But here's the deal. Like, I'll... <laughs> I'll take your meme. I'll 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 see your meme, I and I will uh, and I will raise it in experience. Oh come on, come on. Cause some of the, some of the people, man, they can't stay in one church for more than two years because they get frustrated with all the people in it, and then they come tell me how they don't need to be in church to be a Christian. And I'm I'm just saying that my, ex, I'll take my experience over your meme any day Come because on. I have peace and joy and love for people. I have, I have a support system that when I'm sick, I got people that will pray for me. I, I have, I have, I have support system that people will challenge me if I'm not acting right. And if I'm, if I'm not, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll speak into my life. And so that, that meme is lovely. And yes, you can be a Christian without church, but you won't know what this new limb feels like unless you start stimulating yeah. this thing. Yeah. Unless you have other people who will come into your life and start, start, start reaching into that new place in your life. That's why small groups are so important, not because, once again, you can't be a Christian if you don't go to small group. No, like being in the small group is where you're stimulating this new part of your body. This your spiritual man is coming to life and you need something to to focus on that. You need something to remind you of who you are. Otherwise, these these lying symptoms will keep coming into your spirit and you'll feel off. You might not even be off, but if you feel off, it's just as bad as being off. <laughs> if you feel in pain, it's just as bad as actually being in trauma. I mean, so the trauma isn't there. The past has been dealt with, but the temptations of the flesh are still there. And if you don't know how to interpret that, if you don't learn how to interpret that, you will fall to the same lie. This is the problem. The, the amputee's brain is believing something that's not true. It's not seeing something. It's seeing truth, but it's believing a lie. You can see truth. You can see Jesus on the cross. You can see the price he paid for you. You can all of that kind of stuff. But what you believe, what you feel, that's what's going to dictate your reality. And so Jesus is tempted right here. He's hungry. And Satan says, man, God's not taking care of you. God's leaving you out here to die. He's not going to look after you. He's, he's, he's abandoned you. He's dri- driven you out here and dropped you off. And Jesus' flesh is tempted to believe that. His flesh is tempted to say, yeah, I'm not the Son of God because the Son of God isn't, isn't prophesied to die in the wilderness. I can't be the son of God because the son of God isn't prophesied to die out here in the wilderness. I'm supposed to heal people. I'm supposed to raise people from the dead. I mean, you know, the whole Isaiah prophecy that he read on the first day of his ministry. What about all of that? Like, whatever happened to that? And no, no, but now I'm just going to die out here in the wilderness. If you're not careful, your flesh will tell you stuff about you that's not true. Right. Yes. It's true. It will speak to you yes. and it will tell you, see, you're not a real Christian because, oh, you were tempted by that. Well, it's the desire of the flesh. You are going to face this kind of opposition. You are going to be tempted. No matter, even if Jesus was tempted for crying out loud, he walked on water and was tempted. Right. <laughs> You're not even walking on water. You're going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted. Temptation is not the problem. Yeah, that's true. The problem is what we believe Or don't believe it's belief or unbelief that's the problem and and this is the heart of jesus he responds immediately not because he knew the right thing to say but because he believed the right thing from the beginning he said no i'm living on something else other than bread i'm living on the word of god so that's why i would ask you have you been in the word of god are you reading the word of god Are you listening to the word of God? He said every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's the rhema. That's the stuff that God's saying right now. He's not talking about getting a college degree in Bible school. He's talking about hearing, to hear. See, Satan said, man, you need to eat. He said, no, I need to hear. This is freedom. It's shifting. It's not not listening to what your flesh tells you you don't have. Because your flesh will say, I don't have the kind of car I want I don't I'm not providing my family with the kind of lifestyle I want right we don't have this and so I need to now go get this I need to now go do this oh you don't need to do something you need to hear something you need to hear the voice of God because people people with far more assets than you are far more miserable how, how much bread do you need? How many stones do you got to turn over? How much stuff do you have to build, stack up before you figure out that it's never about the bread? It's never about the flesh. It's never about the house you're living in or the, the, to give your kids more than, than you had. No, to hear from God. This brings joy and peace and patience and kindness and all the stuff that you want yeah. comes from hearing. That's why man should not live by Stuff of the flesh alone. It's fine to have desires of the flesh, but when those desires, they they ought to be in the back seat, not the driver's seat. Because when they get in the driver's seat, this flesh doesn't care at all what this spirit feels like. This flesh doesn't care at all about the regrets. This flesh doesn't care at all about you all either. It just wants what it wants, and it wants it now so the enemy will oppose us and i think here in america uh, most commonly right there but after that satan took jesus because jesus passed that that opposition he 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 deflected that then satan took him to the highest place in jerusalem put him up on on top of uh, the temple mount and had him look down and he said look this is in the holy city you're right here in front of everybody and he says if you are the son of god throw yourself down for it's written jesus knows the bible too he will command or i mean satan knows the bible too uh, just like Jesus does. He says, he will command his angels concerning you so that they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Jesus, look, if you jump down off this thing. The angels are going to come rescue you and save you. It's going to be awesome. Jesus answered him, well, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. What is this? This is the temptation of the pride of life second one the first one is the lust of the flesh but the second one this is the pride of life because this is the issue Satan first tried to convince Jesus that he wasn't who his father said that he was and then when he realized he couldn't do that he said okay well then you need to make sure everybody else knows that you are who your father says you are this is this is this is the second level of opposition And it's appealing to our pride. It's appealing to this thing inside of us that wants to be seen, that wants to be known, that wants to be heard. This is why Facebook is so addicting, because it asks, what's on your mind? What's on my mind? Oh, good, let me tell the whole world what's on my mind every waking minute. This is why it's so addicting, though, because self-expression is so addicting. Because Satan says, look, obviously, you know who you are. That's great. But these guys don't know. Um, yeah. what, about, what about these guys? Yeah. This is where religion comes in many times. And when I say religion, I mean the man-made form of religion, not a biblical. But a, a man-made form of religion comes in and says, hey, you know what? You've got this great experience in your life. God saved you. He's done so many great things for you. Now you need to start acting in this way so that everybody else will know because you don't want to make Jesus look bad. Right. You don't want to be a, a bad witness or bad testimony. And so, and so, and so religion is focused on what is, what are everybody, what's everybody thinking about me, and what are they saying about me, and how does this look? And so many of us have been, we, we came to Jesus at an early stage in our life, and we were quickly sucked in by the pride of life, Sip, quickly sucked into a place that said, now I need to act right so that people will think that I am holy and, and I'm doing the right stuff. And this is what Jesus rejects. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And that's kind of, or put him to the test. That's kind of a, a weird way of saying it. But basically what he's saying is, look, if God knows who I am, and if I know who I am, and if I know that God knows, and if I know that God wants at some point to reveal who i am to everyone then then it's not my job right now to, to take care of this uh, it, in other words scripture tells us that jesus wanted people to know who he was that he wept over jerusalem and said how i long to pull you to myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks he wanted them to know he was the messiah and in fact scripture tells us that someday everyone will know every tongue will confess every every eye will behold him and, and, and when, when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, okay, now go tell everybody about me. So obviously, he's worthy of all our adoration and all of the recognition. Even if he were to jump off the temple, he would be worthy of that. But the question is not like, are you really the son of God? The question is, how are you, how, how are you willing to do the will of God? Is it going to be doing God's will your way or doing God's will God's way? And Jesus said, no, there's a timing to this thing. There's a process to this thing. And I'm submitting not just to the will of God, but to the way of God. You shall not put the Lord to the test. In other words, you, you shall not decide if God's doing it right. Put it to the test. You shall not weigh the actions of God. You can't sit in judgment over him. And say, well, I don't, I don't really know if that's right. I don't really know if, if God would do that. I don't really know if that sounds, okay, well, that, that's all good and well. But, but God is God. And we allow him. To, to, to reject the pride of life means to reject my need to, one, prove myself to those around me. And, two, my need to rush ahead of God and do what I think God wants done in my own way. And this is what Jesus does. He rejects that. He says, "Man, I'm not going to stand in judgment over God's timing or God's ways. I'm stepping back from that." And it creates such rest. Visually, it creates rest even in this picture as Jesus is on the edge of the <laughs> I'm I'm afraid of heights. So as I think of Jesus up there on the edge looking down, "No, I'm good. I'm good." I'm good. <laughs> Uh, do we have a bungee or anything? We're gonna tie some. It, 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 but but that but to me that 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 anxiousness of looking down, wondering if God's gonna catch you, perfectly describes the trap that many of us are in when we're trying over and over again to prove ourselves to everybody. It's this yeah but yeah but mm, is it yeah mm, I don't know if I can I don't know if I can maintain it boy I don't know if I can keep it. Mm, okay, one, two, three, f- three and a half, four, four and a half. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that anxiousness. Some of you have never been skydiving, but for those of us that have been skydiving, there's a, there's a little thing when you're sitting there on the edge of the plane, and you're, you're, your feet are on the wing, and uh, you're looking down at the clouds, and you think, is this really a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, you've already paid the guy, and so you've got to go through with it. And uh, and you just kind of roll out, you know, you, you roll out the plane and you see you see the bottom of the plane and then you face down. and It's exciting. And it's awesome. But I feel like many of us live right there in the anxiousness of. There's just no rest. There's no peace. Because we're constantly trying to keep up appearances. We're constantly trying to make sure everybody thinks rightly about us. And, and yet Jesus says, no, I'm not going to test God or, or try, to, try to appear to be anything of, uh, that, that other people would want me to be. And then fine, the final thing, uh, we have the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And then we have the lust of the eyes. And I think this is one that we, we really confuse the most um, w- w- because, because we think of so much just simply looking at bad things. Um, so most people say, well, I don't look at bad things on the Internet, so I don't have lust of the eyes. But to have the lust of the eyes means to have a strong desire connected to your visual senses, that you are building your framework from from these things that you see. And the way that Satan did this for Jesus, um, he took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor all the kingdoms of the world not all the people of the world not all the possessions of the world not all the donkeys and camels of the world not all the armies of the world but all the kingdoms see it it, it is true that looking at bad things on the internet is damaging to your soul but it is not the most damaging thing for you to be beholding there's a there's a song we used to sing like when we were we were kids um Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little eyes. And then they do, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. I think you had to put your hands on your ears when we did it in kids' church. We had flannel graphs and all that kind of stuff. It was exciting. But I used to think, I used to think that that song was about be careful, little eyes. Like, don't look at bad pictures. Um, be, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Don't watch bad movies. Uh, be careful little ears what you hear. Don't listen to rap music. <laughs> uh, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Country music. Don't listen to country music. I mean, we listened to all that at Mia's wedding. We got, we got all that. We broke all the rules. Um, anyway, I used to think it was like don't listen to bad things. You know, like don't, don't listen to cussing and uh, people that that cuss and cussing and cussers and anyway yeah I thought it was primarily about those kinds of things but what I have found is that that's not like when when Satan took Jesus to the high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world he didn't show them all the dirty pictures of the world or all the rap stars of the world or all the cuss words in the world he didn't show him the stuff that we're often trying to not look at. And, and it's not, a lot of that stuff's not good. So, you know, it is, some of it is damaging to your soul. But that's not the most damaging. The most damaging thing is to behold the kingdoms of the world. Kingdom is a, is a structure of authority. It's a structure of the way things work. Leonard Ravenhill said that he felt like Satan didn't show him the kingdom like the physical kingdoms, but he showed him the kingdoms like the kingdoms of, of the music industry or the kingdoms of the, of the scientific world or the, the kingdoms. We're talking about structures and systems of, of value. These are things that dictate value to us. And he said he showed him the kingdoms of the world in all of their splendor. And this is where I think we've, we've been careful little eyes what we see about some things, but we have gazed wholeheartedly at the structure and the, the value system of our generation, and we have, we've been careful about what we listen to, but we have listened wholeheartedly to the voices of the structure, of the, the culture, maybe a different word than kingdom could be culture, because culture is catchy, like you live in it, you start picking it up, you start dressing like it, you start talking like it, you start thinking like it, you start desiring the same things that they desire. And, and, and I'm not here to bash culture, but we live in a, a, a kingdom. Austin, Texas is a part of a kingdom that is not from the Father. And I came from Michigan, which is also even further from the Father. Uh, it's a kingdom that's even more, more down the road of postmodernism and uh, craziness. But no, we live in. There are several kingdoms of this world, and they're all exclusively away from the Father. They all have their separate value systems. They all have what they love. They all have what they hate. They all have what you should um, uh, encourage your children to do. They all have what you should do for your children. They all have. They all have these little systems and rules of value and how to determine whether you are of value see here in America we have a, a very scientific kingdom and a very materialistic kingdom and that doesn't mean that we're incredibly smart or incredibly rich although we are pretty rich in comparison uh, and we've learned a few things but it, it, it means that we, 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 we define reality and we define life by these things so what you drive has a lot to say about who you are. What you wear has a lot to say about who you are in our kingdom. What awards you get has a lot to say with who you are in our kingdom. And, and it doesn't take long for you to start to understand, yeah, okay, th- that is kind of how our kingdom works. And actually, like even just just, just just filter through Netflix the movies you've been watching and tell me how many of those movies does like a good person who's, who's considered good in this kingdom does that person ever go to church? Is that person even a Christian? In fact, are there any sort of Christians who are semi-good people in any of those (laughs) movies? Well, well, no, not necessarily in this kingdom. In this particular kingdom, Christians are kind of awkward. They're sort of weird, judgmental, kind of bigoted. They're just out there. They're kind of mad most of the time. Like in this kingdom, going to church doesn't doesn't help you become a a good person. It's kind of like a, why would you do that? It's not even in the discussion. In this kingdom. Or like, you know, your favorite secular song. There's not much about going to church except take me to church. And that, he, I don't even think he really wanted to go to church. He just said, take me to church so that I can complain about being at church. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I like that. I like the music, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't all about going to church. But it's like, it's like... <laughs> God's plan I don't even know if God's plan was really God's plan it was just stuff that was happening to him you know I mean Drake doesn't know about that but it's like we 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 do sing about some of these things but in such weird ways in such odd dimensions I mean from the kingdom that I'm used to seeing But many of us, I mean, we've grown up in this kingdom, and and I'm concerned that even in our own families, we, we, we pay close attention to make sure kids don't listen to certain words or watch certain scenes. But we don't pay close attention that kids don't pick up on certain cultures and value systems, that they don't behold and gaze at the splendor of the American kingdom. Because the American kingdom is not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of America. And it's got some good points to it. And I'm glad to be in America and the freedoms that we have. But, this, but man, it's also got a lie attached to it. That if you gaze at that thing, this is what always surprised me. Why in the world would the devil ask Jesus to bow down and worship him? I'm like, what a dumb thing. Like, I always felt like, man, this is where Satan really dropped the ball. Like if I were him, I'd be like, you know, okay, I'll give you all this. I mean, obviously, turning stones into bread would have been enough to, 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 to mess him up. So let's just go back to the bread thing. Like, or something similar. You know, like, do a magic trick. Like, uh, shoot, like why bow down and worship that's pretty extreme i mean couldn't we have a compromise here aren't you aren't you putting the price tag for this temptation a little too high is god really going to bow down and worship you and and this is where i don't think that satan is 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 assigning the price tag based on what he be, based on a sales price there's no sales price on the price tag of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It just is what it is. When you gaze at the kingdom of America, you do end up bowing before the God of America, the little g God. Scripture tells us that Satan is the little g God of this world. And so Satan showed him all of the, the kingdoms that he had created. The only, what, the only response to that, when you gaze at that and you allow the lust of the eyes, the desires of the eyes to say, this is going to set for me my value system, what you end up doing, what, even if you don't want to do it, is you bow before the God of the kingdom that you're gazing at. This is why it's so important that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because you will bow before the God of the kingdom that you're gazing at. And your children will bow before the God of the kingdom that you point them to. And it's amazing. People, people will come to church and they'll be like, all right, I got these teenagers. We need to get them straightened up. We need to get them straightened up. I'm like, okay, well, what kingdom have they been gazing at for the past 13 years? Because that's their value system. That's what they love. That's what they like. That's what they want. That's what makes them feel normal. That's what makes them feel right. And then people start going, oh, it's going to take a little time because you can't just, you can't just take 13 years and throw it out the window. You're going to have to start gazing at a different kingdom. Which means, mom and dad, you're going to have to start living in a different kingdom. because if Because they, they're not going to see it in Hollywood. There's some low-budget Christian movies that they might see it in, uh, but, but you can't rely on that because that's just, that's just a little snippet. If they don't see it at home, if they don't see it in a church, if, they, if you're, they're not a part of people, if they don't know Christians that aren't weird, <laughs> let's just put it that way. If they don't know Christians that aren't weird, why in the world would you think they'd ever want to be a Christian? Because every Christian they know is just weird. If they don't know people that are real, if they don't know people that have that 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 do struggle with temptation and aren't all self-condemned all the time and don't hate life. Like if, if they don't know a vision, if they don't see a new kingdom, they're not going to worship a new God. And you and I aren't going to worship a new God until we start gazing at a new kingdom. That's why we have to start focusing our mind on the kingdom of God. That's why we have to get into the word of God in prayer. And that's why small groups are so important, because this is the kingdom. You and I, this is, this, this, this is why it feels like sometimes to me, like there's this life, um, Monday through Saturday, and then there's church, hey, and then there's music. And, no, that's cool, but that's just really, that was a loud kingdom, that's just, sometimes the kingdom, the kingdom can come in slowly, like a, like a, I don't know, like a, like a soft, a, like, a, like a dove, come on, somebody, it can float down like a dove and just a light on your shoulders. This is what the kingdom can do. It can sneak up on you. It doesn't have to hit you in the face. It can sort of sneak up on you. And then that's how God works. When his kingdom comes, it it does, it it settles in on us. You you don't just, it's it's not 100, you know, you go 100 miles an hour. But you got to start making some changes to the kingdom that you see. That's why the small groups are so important. Because when we gather together, we talk about the kingdom of heaven. We talk about what it's like walking with God. We talk about the, the triumphs, the celebrations of learning how to submit further to God. You're not going to hear that uh, on 6th Street. You're not going to see that on TMZ. It's not going to come across your newsfeed very often. These, like, it's not that those things are bad and we, should, it's not, we shouldn't become monks and just, you know, get off of social media and don't talk to anybody. But, no, you have to replace the kingdom you've been looking at. You Bring in this new kingdom. It's kingdom of God, kingdom of joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And, and this church doesn't exemplify all of those things perfectly. <laughs> because I don't exemplify all those things perfectly. Because we're all in this kingdom trying to gaze at this thing that God has for us. Not just that, he, that we are, but that he has for us. And so we're growing in it and we're developing it. Just like, just like the kingdom of America doesn't exemplify its, its things perfectly either. It talks about tolerance, but that's if you're in a particular class of people. It talks about uh, charity and things like that. It talks about uh, pride and arrogance too, but it doesn't always. Sometimes it honors sacrifice too. Yeah, sometimes people who, who uh, lay down their lives in the military are honored but people who fight for themselves and build their empire are also honored. So even our kingdom doesn't even make sense all the time. But we do have a goal, we have a, we have a value system and that value system is dictating for us where we're going. And here at City Chapel, I hope we're going closer to God, further away from bondage, further into freedom, further into understanding of who he is and who he's made us to be. And further love and serving of others I was, uh, I was working through, uh, we, were, we were talking about the budget this week uh, from last year. I'm getting some year-end reports, finished up some, Jaleesh is working on those mis- miscellaneous stuff and receipts and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but one number that just really stuck out to me was um, the amount of money that City Chapel gave out to uh, missions whether it's foreign missions, like uh, the, 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 the um, orphanage in, in Mexico uh, that we support or, um, or whether it's local missions, um, different ministries around the area or Keep Kids Fed. We, we fed over, we, we gave out over 19,000 pounds of food and that, that kingdom is, is a, that's a different kingdom. That's not a kingdom of how much can I collect and how much can I get for myself, my family, this is how much can I, can I give out well, that stuff costs money. Um, we spent uh, on Keep Kids Fit and the pantry and our missionary um, and local, just all foreign and local missions, we spent over $17,000 um, of money that you all gave and then we just gave out. And then we, we donated uh, about $10,000 worth of equipment uh, to Promise and Lockhart. Um, and so to, to have a, semi-little church be able to be so generous and so giving I think that's part of the kingdom that that, that we're talking about and that, that our kids would be a part of that and that we would catch that because once you, once you catch that uh, generosity thing once you catch that generosity bug we, we and that, that's, that's, that's just the financial part but you know people were sharing City Chapel with so many other people uh, I don't even know how many guests we invited. It was over 100 just over the guest contest week of people coming into church and visiting with us and being loved by, by us. And, and just about every one of them were, were hugged on, were loved, were welcomed. None of them were judged. None of them were looked weirdly at no matter what they looked like or smelled like. We, like we just, we've, 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 we've built a kingdom that's, yes, giving money out, absolutely, but not because we have a lot of money but because we just, we believe people are worth it. And we believe that God so loved the world. And it's his kingdom based on him. It's his kingdom. And so over the next, yeah, several weeks, as I want to preach on the kingdom of God, so I'm going to start today. But would you just bow your head with me, and I would just like to pray with you. You might be here today, and you've never accepted that, that king. You have never bowed before that king, King Jesus. And you would like to maybe do that today. Um, I would just like to welcome you uh, to go ahead and, and pray with me, um, to welcome that king into your heart, to, to step into his kingdom, to make a commitment, basically, to, to look at his kingdom, to seek his kingdom above all things uh, and his righteousness. And if you would like to do that today, I just want to lead you in a prayer. It would be simple as just saying, God, I need you. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I submit to you. Come into my heart, change my life. The thief on the cross said, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. So Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. Take me into your kingdom. Let me come into the place where you are in charge. Where we love what you love and hate what you hate. We pursue what you pursue. We live under your authority and and under your protection. As a citizen of the kingdom of love. In Jesus' name, amen.